Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Clear to Close. I'm your host, Alan Paris, joined by the Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen to my Dennis Rodman, AI and Brian Traeger. How are you doing today? Well, Scotty Pippen. That's a name yeah, from yeah, the past. How's that? Yeah, who's who's Scotty? Who's Michael? That's the question. Well, you know, I prefer is. to be Scotty. I yeah. took one for the team and I am Dennis Rodman. So look, I'm going to be Ron Jaworski. It's Eagles week. Let's just call it what it oh, is. God. <laughs> God, let's, I thought we were going to. Uh, no, I, I had a I had an over under of two How minutes long? before AI talked about his fly Eagles fly. Um, oh, yes. And we were way under that. I think we're at like 45 seconds. So if the Eagles win the Super Bowl on our next podcast, provided our producer, Allison lets me, I will sing the Eagles fight song. Oh God. Yeah. That is, uh, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> AI. No. You just, you just turned away all of our listeners. I'm really for, sorry. I won't sing the next song. episode. Uh, I can Allison, accompany myself. Allison saying it's approved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I might try to filibuster this thing. So it gets denied, but. Look at that Let's filibuster. See. Yeah, there you, you go. Watch the State of the Union last oh, night. I I actually did not. I did not. I saw saw some clips. Saw there was a little hoot and hollering. There certainly was. On. So kind of jealous uh, of those that got to watch it. Maybe I'll have to <laughs> watch it tonight. You could if you put that baby to bed. <laughs> Brian, how's your baby doing? She's fantastic. Excellent. It's crazy. Yeah, like the last time we were on, it was uh, any day and counting and. She just turned five weeks earlier this week. So it's it's wild. Snap of a finger. Everyone always says it that it's they grow so fast, the time flies by. Everything is true. Nice. Mom's doing okay? Yeah, she's she's doing wonderful. Nice. She's she's great. She's fantastic. What is the uh and then we'll dive into the episode, Brian, what is the biggest learning that was completely different than what you expected? I don't know if there is a biggest learning um, or realization maybe of like, wow, I thought it was going to be like X and it is just a 180 from X. Yeah, I guess one of the things I didn't quite realize was how much of a puzzle it is to solve every day. Yeah. Every day is something new. Every day it changes. Every day you're trying something else. And so we knew that it was going to take a lot to be good partners to each other to make the best decisions and and be okay and i think it showed that communication is so incredibly important yeah and we, like we said we knew that to an extent but you don't really know until you're in it and so well, i've been blessed to have such an amazing partner to uh, communicate with and we have fun with it it's hard it's, it's certainly very difficult um we're having fun with it. It's Brian. It's, I, I didn't mean to. I don't mean to be the bear in bad news, but this episode is not going to be released before Valentine's Day. So Anna's not going to be able to hear, hear <laughs> all your kind words before that. Oh no! I tell but, her every day. She knows. The the one thing that I the, my you're a good man, Brian. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you do that. I don't know if you got this, Brian, but the uh, being a little analytical mind, more analytically led mind in in solving problems is is when you you try to create the perfect solution, like you have a, a moment of success, like a good night's sleep or something. And so you kind of back look at everything you did and you're like, okay, this this was the thing that changed that caused that to happen. And then you're like, okay, so now we're always gonna do that. And then it quickly makes no impact whatsoever. <laughs> like I wanted to overanalyze it and get the prescription and the formula of how you yeah. create a happy baby. And there are, 
only a, a very small amount of things that you can actually control in it. So luckily I was prepared with that. So I, I studied economics in school and statistics with an emphasis in statistics. And so I even then when I graduated, when I started in mortgage, was building uh, elasticity models for mortgage lending. Uh, hey, if we oh do God. this, yeah, I know it was it was riveting stuff. If we do this, will it get us more loans? So constantly testing variables and all that. Anyway, if if you know anything about the statistics, like the R squared we were able to get on these things, like the probability of these variables being accurate if you pulled them, was in the low twenties. It's really not good. So I was trained to say, hey, you could predict and analyze as much as you can, but most likely the variable you think is super important is going to be influenced by something completely random, like, <laughs> is it sunny outside? And so that, that, that actually trained me many years ago to, to, although be analytical, understand that so much of it is completely out of your control, or it's just a, a, a guess or you know, yeah. a random occurrence more than anything. So we do have those moments of like, oh my God, let's repeat it. And then we quickly are humbled to realize that that is impossible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely agree. Uh, the elasticity piece, I can remember that from about a bazillion years ago, I had a production manager who used to say, let me tell you about elasticity, Anthony. He's like, just lower those damn rates and I'll show you some elastic. <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that solves it all, baby. Uh, Okay. Well, but, you right. know, it sometimes actually doesn't. But, but it does, I mean, yeah, no, it, it, yeah. it's legit. It's actually a legitimate exercise to go through. We actually did it. It is. It's a, it's a very yeah. good exercise. Yeah. Well, I uh, want to welcome all new listeners to to Clear Clothes. Welcome to this episode. For those of you who uh, joined us before, welcome back. Before we jump into the episode, I need to give a shout out to our beloved employer and sponsor that makes Clear to Clothes happen, Maxwell. Maxwell's uh, technology and solutions help empower lenders to have a competitive disruptive financial advantage in their market to serve their borrowers the best they can and to be profitable, successful businesses. To learn more about Maxwell's solutions and, and products, both tech and uh, human powered, visit us at www.highmaxwell.com or email us at meetmax at highmaxwell.com. And if you do that, you will see Alan's face pop up multiple times on the homepage. I'm trying so to change that. I'm trying to I'm just checking. Sorry. I was hoping that a jingle would come up with you playing all the instruments and your I could face do that. pops up. I could do that. I could. Come on, Brian. Eagles fight song pops oh up. Oh, my. I, I walked right into that. <laughs> you did. Come on, Alan. Say something. I'm not. I'm not going to say anything. Okay, I'm just. Checking. Hey, I, I will ask you a question though to get this thing Please. kicked off because yes. it's uh, quickly going downhill, uh, <laughs> and we'll be basically just an analysis of AI talking about the Eagles the whole time. Uh, you came back from IMB recently, I did. correct? It was Indiana's, warm. Uh, Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference. What was shaking? What was moving out there? You know, certainly attendance was down, right? So that was key. But I will tell you that Maxwell, we had. We had uh, a tabletop there along with some other folks, some other vendors. We had really good traffic. We had really good conversations with people. I talked to some of the other vendors. They felt the same thing. So they felt that the, you know, they had more time to talk to people and that people were more engaged about having conversations about a variety of things. That was really key. One of the things that I asked a lot of people that I talked to was, you know, what's the size of your pipeline? How do your originations look? How are you feeling about the year? And it was almost unanimous that some people's, you know, folks' pipelines have doubled in the past 30 days or so, and that's simply due to rates declining. 
It's been warmer in the east, so that's not a bad thing either. So folks are able to get out a little more. It's been a little colder here in the west, especially like in the inner mountain west. But still, folks' pipelines have doubled. The warehouse banks are seeing their outstandings start to increase. So, mm-hmm. so they, you know, their business contracts too, but they're a little bit of a lagging indicator. And they're feeling confident that with the increase in volume that we've seen in January and here so far early in February, that they're going to start to have really good Marches, really good April. So they're, so the warehouse banks are optimistic that this continues. And in asking the warehouse banks, what are your clients telling you? You know, certainly there's folks that are looking to merge. There are a few people that are getting out, but some people are kind of doubling down. They're trying to be strategic. They're trying to be mindful about additional mergers. Maybe they're going to pick up branches and markets that they want to break into. They're once again, you know, realizing that they probably should have if they didn't pay attention to their tech stack. So they're they're seriously taking a look at that because they know that they can pick up they can pick up some scale by doing that. So my own opinion is is just in talking to people, folks are still cautious, but there seem to be less doom and gloom. It's an overused statement, but there seem to be less doom and gloom at the IMB. Yeah. Plus San Diego is beautiful. So it was uh, it was awesome to run on the beach for not a bad days. not a bad environment. No, it was yeah, good. I mean so mortgage rates are uh, at time of recording this low sixes on average, low to mid sixes on average. Um, you know, I think coming down from maybe high of six nine or seven or something like that. Does that mm-hmm. sound right, AI? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So I mean, definitely, definitely some progress there. Mm-hmm. Overall, it looks like home prices continue to be up year over year. I think just slight increase. I think three point five percent rather than kind of the insane increase that we've seen kind of in these past month month to months. So definitely not a, a housing price correction, which I think may, I would maybe expect to see the the loan volume kind of increase that we're we're seeing from our lenders and what you're hearing from your lenders. But it seems like things are are improving. But also, I don't know. In my opinion, like do those slight improvements justify the increased volume that we're seeing right now? It seems seems like it it could help, but maybe not to the degree that we're lenders are maybe feeling, which is which is interesting to me. I think it's a little early in the game, right? We're kind of in the first quarter here, literally and figuratively, right? So I think, you know, you look at a couple of things. Overall inflation has certainly declined and there's no doubt about it. You're seeing it. I'm seeing it at the grocery store. Certainly I'm seeing it at the gas station. And granted, there were, you know, what was the thing that came out today? There was a 2% rise in used cars. All right, I'm not really going to lose sleep about that tonight. But I use this as a proxy, and, I, and I've said this before, I think on the podcast, and you guys will probably shoot me for saying it again. My neighbor had his house for sale for nine months last year, not one nibble. Took it off the market, enjoyed the Christmas holidays, came back, listed it under contract in less than seven days. And then my neighbor, so the neighbor in between us is a realtor. And so I see her out walking the dog from time to time and, you know, hey, what's the market looking like for you? And she's like, I'm busy. So now that part of it is, is she's super good at what she does, but right. So she hustles and that's a good thing, but she said, she's busy. She's talking to more people about listing their homes. And, you know, like, you know, I think we've talked about this too offline. Someone like, you know, my wife and I, at some point we're going to want to downsize. Right. And, and to be honest, I want to probably go to down a little lower in elevation to where it's just a whiff warmer. It'll pain me to lose my two and a half percent 30 year rate, but what kind of is what it is. So eventually yeah. people like me are going to go, yeah, it's time to sell. But, but I think on seem- average though, that, 
that is part of the inventory issue though, is you have it is, this, it this is. massive amount of people who are at such a low rate that where they typically would have already made that adjustment or making that adjustment maybe sooner, I think it's still going to pro they're going to prolong that decision and, and delay it. So, mm-hmm. and maybe, and maybe that's why it's the flattening of home prices rather than a kind of a recorrection or a drop is because of that kind of inventory outlook still as an issue. Mm-hmm. Well, and as part of the inventory, we've seen, you know, big stories of very large REITs or private equity firms who invest in single family homes for rental that, are selling the portfolio. And I don't know who they're selling it to, if they're putting it on the open market for people to live in as their primary, or if they are just flipping it back over to another investor. But it does seem like in folks like Anthony, like your situation, I've talked to a lot of friends who got in there 30 year fixed at mm-hmm. 3% or even less. And they say, Hey, I do want to move. I want to transact but I don't want to give up my mortgage. So I'm thinking about renting my house, whether that be through short-term rental, Airbnb or long-term rental. And so if that happens, then those mortgages stay and the inventory doesn't increase yet. They want to transact increasing demand that could have an upward pressure on home prices. However, it could just be backfilling all these large REITs or private equity firms who are putting those, those homes back on the market for their residential folks to to buy and have as their primary. So there's always in in these types of situations where you're looking at forecasting numerous variables that you just can't consider and they're always throwing left and right situations and so you never know. You never yeah. know. And I think to even so, play just how how intertwined and maybe back and forth all this is, completely agree with your position and opportunity there Brian. The challenge also, though, is maybe that group is also probably the hardest hit from layoffs. Uh, the people who would be doing that are some of the hardest hit in the white collar layoffs that are going on, which just adds another unknown in the in the market. And so it's got a lot of moving factors with good job numbers, but a shift in where those jobs are, softening of home prices, lowering of rates. It's it's a uh, it's complex right now. That's for sure. Yeah. But it's interesting, right? So buddy of BOK sends out a newsletter every day. So he made a couple of couple of comments in a recent newsletter. One, despite all the doom and gloom out there in the sl- housing slump, right? Open houses in affluent New York suburbs are packed. <laughs> and so they, I know, right? And then signals increasingly point to underlying strong housing demand and consumer health, which demand, we have the supply issue that's going to continue to keep probably keep prices high. But it feels like it feels like the decline in houses that we've seen, at least here, like in Colorado, in in Portland, in Seattle, it feels like you know that fifteen to twenty five percent drop that's been about. It seems like we've already we've hit the bottom. Yeah. And so so we're starting to see. And again, I haven't talked to my neighbor, so I don't know where he where he sold that house at. But I'll find out. I think it's funny too. We've talked a lot on this show about the short term memories of of mortgage folks, and yeah. I think. It's, it's going to be a benefit for us in this season because, or, and not just mortgage folks, but people who are, are transacting. And so it's like, hey, relative, people stopped buying houses because they're like, oh, rates aren't 3%. But now that rates were 7%, they're like, yeah. oh my God, guys, they were 7%. It's all relative. It's all, it's relative. all so short-term relative, relative nature. And it's so crazy, but it's like, <laughs> it's like clockwork. You make a really good point. And 
this conversation happened a couple of times at the IMB where you're right, Brian, people have been conditioned to expect sub 3% 30-year fixed. And now that we're, you know, we're not at five and a quarter or 5%, but now that we're kind of getting back there, it feels like we're getting back there. People are being reconditioned again or reprogrammed to say, well, maybe 5% is not really that bad, or maybe five and a quarter is really not that bad. It's what it used to be. I agree. You go survey people Mm -hmm. right now. I think that Mm -hmm. almost all of them will say 5% is juicy. Mm -hmm. I'm in on 5% when literally like, I don't know what, 2018 yeah 2018 2018 2019 was high fours like just right right around there so yeah it's not it's not like that wasn't i mean the you take away the the time warp of the last two years in covid but that like that was not long ago you know allison can we can we our next white paper that we put out can we use brian's quote right there five percent is juicy (laughs) Five percent is juicy (laughs) yeah social media and play some biggie smalls why not it was yeah, all and a I think, dream. I, you know, I think super interesting. Yeah, I think the so one report from Freddie Mac, I think, you know, projects as kind of we get into this year is getting closer into fives, kind of mid fives, which I think, you know, to counteract my point of maybe this, the changes that I've made don't make that big of a difference. A super interesting stat where Freddie Mac came out and said one percentage point reduction in rates can allow as many as 3 million more mortgage ready customers to qualify on a $400,000 loan. So Mm -hmm. even if you don't have any, you know, even if the home prices aren't fully correcting to maybe what rates should have been, it opens up a huge, a huge homeownership opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I always have questions about those type of statistics. So maybe help, help me walk through it because the national average home price or maybe loan size is 370, I think. So at a 400, those 3 million borrowers that you just talked about are already possible home buyers. They're either don't want a house that's at 350,000. They want the $400,000 house or like, they're not just first time home buyers going to get $400,000 houses. It's, a, it's just kind of confusing to me on those things. It's like, Hey, in this sliver of this data, if you do this, then this will happen. Well, I don't know. Could you help me? Yeah, no, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it. it's a good point. And to be honest, yep. the to be fully transparent, it doesn't do a good job of detailing where those people are coming from. So those, like, you know, they do not clarify that those are net new home buyers into the end of the market, which I think it, to your point would be the real, the real moving needle would be if that's truly 300 or uh, 3 million current renters today, they're going to go that are right. be ready if that, if that rate changes. So it probably isn't actually a, a full mark, but I think shows in general movements, what gets unlocked by just a percentage point of financial yeah. ability to pay for a mortgage. Okay. So it's probably using that as like of a, a average and then yeah. using average FICOs, average That's incomes right. across those bands and saying, average oh, debt, if, current debt, if you're yeah. able to give that, average cohort an increase of or decrease in monthly payments, then they would be able to do this. That's right. That's right. Got it. Freddie Mac, Freddie Mac representatives, if you want to join the podcast and explain your study uh, on how you get to those numbers, you're more than welcome. So yes, we would uh, be happy to quiz you. But yeah, I think so AI, it seems, you know, there's in general, I think where we left 2022 saying, Mm -hmm. or not everybody, a lot of people left 2022 saying, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's hard to see right now. You know, let's kind of heads down, make it through 2023. 
there's um there's a little bit more maybe a little more glimmer of light coming in yeah there is i mean the market's still volatile right so you know we had the goofy number that came out on friday bonds are kind of trading like the fed pivoted commodities what, what's goofy trading, number ai you know, the goofy non-farm payroll number mm. so which i'm not 100 percent certain is completely accurate it kind of looked like you know we've had massive layoffs in the tech sector for example right but yet we had a decrease in the overall the headline number for unemployment and we created you know almost 600,000 new jobs in the month of yeah. January so where they come from so the services ind- industry is, has recovered from covid which is a good thing right it's good to see those folks back to work it'll be interesting to see what happens like in the revisions come february first week of first friday of february and what and first friday of march and then what the february unemployment numbers look like so yeah you know, it's interesting. Fed Chair Powell said yesterday, the labor market is strong because the economy is strong. You know, the Atlanta Fed up their Q1 GDP forecast to 2.1%. So it's, to me, I'm not an economist, right? But to me, just kind of following it along, it feels like soft landing. Maybe it's already happened because we kind of bandied this about, right? Maybe we've been in a recession and now we're just kind of landing softly on our tennis shoes. Yeah. That, to- right? To put specific numbers to it, so yeah, in in 2023 alone, according to this Forbes analysis, mm-hmm. <laughs> 95,000 tech workers laid off just in 2023. So in the last month of January, and then the most recent jobs report, 500,000 new jobs added in January alone. So it's definitely a shift of service oriented kind of right. frontline roles that got to be making up the right. the balance of that. Right. Um, it's it's interesting because like. Maybe this was a tech bubble. Like, I mean, we know there was a tech bubble happening, but like, it was that a drag on a lot of this stuff too, because everywhere else seems to be doing all right. And well, now the stock prices, these tech companies are coming back too. If you see yeah. any of the major ones in the NASDAQ, like really doubling in price since the last 60 days, it's cr- mm-hmm. crazy, yeah. crazy volatility. But it's amazing how different it is when uh, there's a true cost of capital. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> one's not free. Yeah, one's not free. Like when there's it's actually not? a cost of capital, it, it uh, yeah, it changes things a good bit. Expectations are a little bit different. But it is, I think, but I think we're going to continue to see a little bit of chop. And I, I'm just, I just kind of feel like we're going to see like little green shoots of asparagus come June popping through, right? Is that what you look forward to is shoots of asparagus? How, how many you know, I should be watching VeggieTales, not you. That's what happens when you're a vegetarian. You think about vegetables all the time. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you're outnumbered here, man. Two, two veg heads. Uh, I've done some veggies in my one. day. You've done, you've done, you, you guys are mostly veggie. If I remember yeah, correctly. We, so. we did a lot of that. Yeah. It's good for yeah, you. Yeah, but right? AI, I mean, I've, yeah, I know. I'm a certified veg head and, and I've never dreamed about shoots of asparagus coming up. You never have? So. No. Are you dreaming about baby bok choy or what, Alan? You know what? Like green, to be honest, green is my favorite choice, color. Vegetable, vegetable of choice. Like I'm, I'm probably dreaming about some good russet potatoes in oh. that, in that, in that dirt. You don't even have to see the success that's that's growing that underneath dirt. the ground. Yeah. So green's my not, favorite color. Definitely not asparagus. You know hey, that's because you're a mortgage guy, AI. <laughs> you know why? That's right. And I like when bonds trade in the green. You like the eagles? Let me guess. The eagles are in the green. <laughs> Springs around the corner. That's why you have Springs optimism in your eyes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I put new handlebar tape on my road bike and I almost bought green tape. <laughs> that, I'm so shaking that, his head. He can't even say anything. I know the no. spring market though, too. Like I, It's so funny how seasonal and cyclical it is. And so 
part of me thinks that it was really tough in the fourth quarter because mm-hmm. it was a double dip in that negative of those cyclical and seasonal. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, all right, we took our medicine. Now things are starting to change and the seasonal normal increase in applications is happening. Mm-hmm. And because it's not flat that people are like, Oh my God, there's a pulse. And then, Oh my, this data point comes. Oh, okay. And it kind of just keeps snowballing in the right direction. So like the sentiment seems to be really high. I agree. AI, you just have no idea. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to say that. And I, but. And I think, you know, that's a, a in the handful of lenders sure. that I've talked to in that, in this time period, I think, they are optimistic, but not planning for the tailwind. They view that it's going to be better than expected or better than they expected a few months ago, but they, they're not betting on it. Like They're still looking for investments, improvements on the current base of volume of how they improve and grow kind of organically through, through their own expansions, through their own initiatives, rather than expecting a wave of tailwinds. So I think that I think that goes along with it. And I think it's it's rightfully so because it's just an early data point. Like we're talking one month of data points right now. So um I think rightfully so to be a bit cautious still. That's such a a good way to operate a business in any environment. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you wild never thoughts, should, right? If we'll have like, yeah, but no, it's funny because not that many people really do. You know, you to ride the wave, you have to be prepared for it, but you can't bank on it. And you should always be looking over your shoulder because someone's always out there to eat your lunch. And so you should always be pa- like paranoid to an extent. In my opinion, you should be preparing for the downside and setting your model up for success in whatever market is coming at you and make sure you have your all your surfboards ready for when that wave hits. You can ride it out and scale efficiently and capture the revenues it's when people are banking on the tailwinds that they get in trouble when the tailwind goes away and we've seen that so many times here in the near near past yeah hope is not a strategy no right volume solves a lot of problems it certainly does i love volume yeah (laughs) (laughs) do it right absolutely but you know to be clear i'm not spiking the ball and i'm certainly not out here popping corks Right, right. That's you know, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, so to to be clear about that, but I'm staying close to it and hearing and reading and listening and and just asking questions. It just you know, it just it just kind of feels like things are different today than they were in October and November. So that leads me to a question for you, as on the secondary side, right? Where mm-hmm. you have the experience among many other experiences, but like, how often do you think it's healthy to re? recalibrate that thought like because everything changes every second every minute every day but do you look at this as a week long hey next week let's let's rethink this optimism are there certain job numbers that you're sorry like um, numbers economic figures that you're looking for how often are you rethinking this mentality well that's a good question so if you are a pipeline hedger you should be indifferent to any number right because the truth is, unless you're trying to call the market, you should always be at interest rate neutral every time you close the books on each yeah. each business day. Yes. So it doesn't matter what the numbers are as long as you're, you know, as long as you're not kind of out over your skis. But if you're a best effort seller, or if you're, you know, if you're a mortgage broker and and you're looking at each individual loan, you know, I think you've you've got to watch the numbers, right? 
but I'm, I'm of this opinion. It's good to watch the numbers. And there's certainly, you know, sites out there that kind of give advice to loan officers when to lock, when to hold, when not to. I learned a long time ago when I was a comment from our CEO. He's like, Anthony, you're going to be right 50% of the time. He's like, so the reality is, is if you're at a point where you need to sell loans, sell loans. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was annoying as hell because we'd sell the loans and the damn market would rally. Did he also carry a, a silver dollar? Any opinion you had, he'd, he'd flick it in the air? Like, <laughs> no. Like, like Two-Face and Batman? No, but you know what? He gave me a lot of really good advice. And so this is, this is really dating myself. He's like, always watch the Financial News Network with Paul Kangas. And Paul used to talk really fast and he would like, like spit would come out of his mouth on television, <laughs> right? So it was amazing. And then every Friday night- This was night, before high definition TV. So it that, was. That even, that even says the volume scarier, of spit that right? you could actually see if you could see it on that resolution. And then there was this guy, he's long since gone now, but his name was Louis Rukeyser. He had the wildest white, white hair. And he was based at Owings Mills, Maryland. And he'd always have like, you know, great investment minds and stuff. And so I, he's like, Anthony, you have to watch it every Friday night before you go out and carry on. So I would. And then the other thing that he told me was, he's like, pay attention to your surroundings. He's like, the numbers are fine, but listen and look, right? Because you're going you're gonna to see things out there, what things cost. You know, are you seeing people paying in cash? Are they, seeing, are they paying with their credit cards? Like, it was like kind of silly things. Like, to me at that time, they were kind of silly. But now that now they've had a chance to reflect on it, he actually made a really good point, right? So those are kind of things that that we do. Now, admittedly, on our trade desk, we do have conversations every day about where the numbers are going. We're but we're looking, we're looking at a variety of things. So we do a little bit, you know, Daniel and Matt and I will occasionally look at resistance levels and 200 day moving averages just to get a sense. Do we think the market's going to kind of break out? But truly, we don't we stay as close to zero as we can. No risk. Yep. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think you know, so on the secondary side is pipeline managers and such. That's really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then as a CEO, you take those considerations, you probably assume your desk is net zero and you try to try to look at these news pieces and data points. You probably just kind of constantly consume it and reflect on, hopefully you have it scheduled throughout your weeks and months to, to look back and and reanalyze some certain things. But yeah, and that's, I think it's up to everybody's individual process. But. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, is if you have good pipeline hygiene, you know, if you're staying up on your post lock adjustments, if you're, if you're always looking at your loan, if you're, your loan purchase advices and making sure that the loans funded where they were supposed to fund, I think those kind of things set you up for success. And so, you know, now it's time to do that. If you had attention pipeline hedgers and pipeline managers, if you weren't doing that, you should be doing it now. You don't have the volume. So now's a good time to get in that habit. So when you do have the volume, you're in that rhythm where you're doing it. And those things, they served me well when I was, you know, in the trenches doing it every day. And they sound kind of trite and silly, and I admit it, but they work. All right, well, let's wrap it here. Uh, A little bit shorter episode this week, uh, hopefully valuable. Wanted to just give a quick pulse on what's happening in the market. Appreciate AI, Brian, all the insight and how you guys are feeling about it and what you're looking at. So again, uh, if you're new to Clear to Close, thanks for popping over. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Um, If you're returning, thanks again for joining. Hopefully you found the episode valuable. Again, thanks to our sponsor and beloved employer, Maxwell, for making all this possible. To learn more about Maxwell, visit us at www.highmaxwell.com or email us at meetmax at highmaxwell.com. 
And until then, until the next episode, happy lending. Yep. See you, everybody. All right. Catch you later. See you, everybody. Peace.